0: 24-7 comedy, comedy
1: radio. radio. All comedy, all the time. <laughs>
0: That's funny, right?
1: Doing it live here on Green.com, presented by our good, good friends over at 24-7 comedy radio. Make sure you check them out. Log on to 24-7comedy.com. And of course, our even uh, better friends-well, I shouldn't say better friends-also, very, very good friends-Amazon. How can you help us out on Amazon? Well, you can go to com, hit that Amazon link. And uh, first off, appreciate you guys buying stuff. I know it's, and it is pretty easy. You just go there once, you bookmark it, bing, bang, boom, and that's it. And you're on your way, you're supporting a podcast, you're helping me out, putting a couple nickels, a couple shekels in my old pocket. Man, first off, I apologize for not having a podcast out last week. I know the greenheads across the globe are devastated um, but, yes, unfortunately, I haven't been able to sit down and do a podcast. I've been doing an insane amount of traveling. I've been uh, traveling through Canada, all over the, all over through Canada, essentially. And, um, yeah, man. Oh, wait. Uh, let's see. Well, here's what – basically, this podcast, I'm going to go through my travels and adventures through Canada, what I've been up to the past week or so. And then, towards the end of the podcast, I'm going to – interject. uh, I did about maybe 10 interviews so far of uh, different comedians because I am at the Just for Laughs Festival. I'm actually actually here hanging out in Montreal. I am hanging out on a balcony 22 stories up overlooking the city of Montreal. Some sort of river which I uh, probably should have googled and figured out before prior to taping the podcast but it's a pretty majestic river. Montreal is a great town. We'll get to that. But um, so yeah, the ideas are going to do some stories about Canada. Just take you through the past couple weeks, do the old uh, podcast routine, and then I'm going to interject about ten or so interviews that happened um, at the uh, Just for Laughs Festival here. Basically, uh, you know, I set up a little radio station, and uh, comics have been dropping by doing like a little two minute. Vignette about uh, what's going on in the festival, their take. You can hear them live, of course, on all the 24 uh, /7 comedy radio stations, or you can uh, just hang out and listen to this uh, podcast. All right guys, so when I last left you, I'll uh, take you through. Last left you. I was in California, and then uh, you know, basically embarked on my journey, flew out to uh, Pennsylvania, flew, uh, flew back to home to uh, Pennsylvania, flew into Philly. Got home super late that uh, Wednesday night about uh two a m <clears throat> then I had to wake up five hours later to go on the Bear man and Keith morning show i don't know if i necessarily had to, but I want to hang out with those guys a couple uh career veteran local radio guys they're uh i mean they're they're a real trip Bearman and Keith I mean imagine what Bearman and Keith are and you know kind of what they represent. you check them out and they don't disappoint. They're just a couple of uh, old school radio dudes. They're a bunch of fun. So, uh, went in there. The uh the running segment for that day was Dazzle the Dorks people call in, try to basically try to stump them with the jokes. We don't we, we don't have that. You know, we're not uh, letting them stump us. So, we uh, come up with all the right joke answers. Come up with all the punchlines. It's a lot of fun hanging out with those guys. So, did that and then uh, you know, hanging around in um, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania where I'm originally from. Went to the dentist, hadn't been to the dentist in a while, I don't know, and I never enjoyed the dentist, I mean, I, I don't think I'm in the minority there, I don't I take a real sociopath to enjoy going to the dentist, like, yes, I cannot wait going to the dentist, no, I do enjoy the feeling of having my teeth cleaned professionally, that feels great, it is kind of refreshing. I don't mind the actual them working away on the instruments, them picking away at the barnacles, as the lady described them, on my teeth. You know, the little instrument, the drill. Hey, I'm not a fan of the drill, but I'm not scared of the drill. I've looked the drill in the eye and said, bring it on, drill. I'm not scared of the drill. Or whatever whatever you're going to throw at me at the dentist's office. I'm not afraid. I don't find it painful. My beef has always been with the... Well, usually it's the dental hygienist in particular because... Every single time I go, it's a different it's a different issue. It's a different problem I have. Not necessarily with the dental hygienist. Well, actually no, sorry, not necessarily with my dental care, but with the dental hygienist in particular. There's always something that we kind of get into. And and here's the thing, you know, you show up there, hey, how's it going? Very friendly, very cordial. You sit down in the chair, things are going well, a lot of small talk. Oh, you're a comedian. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you know, they make jokes like, oh, hey, wait till I see you on TV. And then I say, oh, I had my hand in that guy's mouth. <laughs> a lot of lot of small talk. Very fun. I get it. I understand. But you're hanging out there, and inevitably the moment comes where they start asking you about your dental care habits. Now, I'm a, I'm a flossing aficionado, or so I thought. I, I don't mind flossing. I enjoy flossing. Floss regularly. And then, you know, I floss, and, you know, they ask, like, hey, have you been flossing? I'm like, yes, I'm not going to lie to you. Yes, of course I've been flossing. Then they start hitting you up with, are you sure you floss? Yes, I'm sure I floss. Every day? Yes, every day. And you get in this weird argument, and then they go through this thing of, well, how do you floss? And then they go, it's... It's kind of pejorative. They're kind of being dicks about it. Like, oh, this is the proper way to floss. Every single dental hygienist I've ever gone to has asked me if I floss. Every single time I say yes because you know why? I'm not a liar. I'm not gonna lie. If I'm going to lie about something, it's not going to be about flossing, all right? And, and they, they never believe you. And then they uh, instinctively teach you a new way to floss oh their correct way i feel like it's it's up to anyone's indiscretion of just like hey this is how i floss this is how i floss the thing is i'm trying man at the end of the day i'm i'm trying and i can just say this for my entire life but i'm trying i'm trying to do the right thing i'm trying to floss i enjoy flossing i want to live and have a longer healthier life and better dental care but what do you want me to do and then every time, oh, Sean, you're not flossing right. Well, you know what? I got a lot on my plate, literally, figuratively, and I'm trying to floss my best, okay? Cut me some slack. And then she also asks me, uh, starts giving me, um, give me crap about the toothbrush I have. First off, dental industry. Why can we not get on the same page on a toothbrush? I feel like we're all going for the same thing, right? We're all trying to achieve a basic thing. It's not like when you go to uh, the store to get a paintbrush, they have like 90 different... I mean, yes, they have different styles of paintbrush for different applications, but essentially this is all one application. All we're trying to use is a brush to clean our teeth. Now, why do we have so many different variations? How have we not figured out the correct formula for bristles? You watch those Crest commercials. They got like 3D computers, crazy animation. I feel like we should move past this. We should have one standard toothbrush, and that should be fine. And then she said, and then I explained, well, I used to have a Sonicare toothbrush, and, um, you know, one of those electric toothbrushes, one of those nice ones, but I stopped using it because the the dentist that I went to was, said that it was uh, taking the enamel off my teeth, making my teeth really sensitive, and, you know, sensitive to hot and cold and stuff like that, so I stopped using it. So I went back to a regular brush, and she was like, dental hygienist was shaking her head like, whoa, <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, I'm making that up. This awesome wild tale I created to trick you into believing that I once had an electric toothbrush, but then I wanted to throw you off for some reason. I've created this crazy backstory of owning an electric toothbrush, getting yelled at by the dentist, or dental hygienist, rather, for using the air toothbrush because I was picking away at my enamel. I'm just trying to do the right thing, dental industry. I'm just trying to do the right thing. You guys, want, you guys will have none of it. I not Gets me all fired up. I just hate that. No, I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. This is, this is my dental habits. Why would it? Oh. Gets me all fired up. So I was back in show, did a uh, stand-up show in Philly. Appreciate everyone uh, listening to the podcast who also came out to the stand-up show in Philly. A lot of fun. It's always great to go home and uh, do shows back in the uh, Philadelphia area. It's always a fun crowd, always a rowdy crowd, pretty drunk. Not as uh, jam-packed or rowdy as the uh, previous time I was down there, but still still a great time all around. Always interesting when my uh, family comes out to see me, my mom, my dad. You know, I was uh, occasionally into uh, stand up comedy material about having sex. Adult uh, topics, you know, you guys know what adult stuff is, right? We've all been adults. Everyone listening to the podcast, I'm assuming, is an adult. But it's always uncomfortable, obviously, bringing it up in front of your mother, talking about sex in front of your mom, and not even, I don't even consider my stuff really super graphic, but just the, like, admitting to having sex in front of your mom is, it's always uncomfortable, coming from an Irish Catholic household, a lot of shame, basically grew up, you know, not really acknowledging that sex happens, not a lot of sexual conversations. I remember my dad's, uh... Birds and the bees conversation was just him looking at me in the car once, going, You know where babies come from, right? I go, Yep. He goes, All right. And that was the last we ever talked. That was the entire dialogue that we had about human sexuality from zero to 18. Obviously, I threw in zero there, that, that kind of being a low number. I don't think anyone's going to mention uh, sexuality to a, a zero year old or infant, I don't know, however, mon- month old you're, you're uh, thinking about. So I had a great time at the stand-up comedy show, and then, of course, go out afterwards, uh, have a couple cocktails. I'm doing this knowing that the next morning I have to wake up super early to, get a, uh, to catch a flight. I'm flying from Newark to Toronto, and the, flight fr- uh, the drive from Philly to Newark is like an hour and a half, almost two hours. And, of course, you've got to be at Newark two hours early for the international flight. I don't really understand that. Because you don't even really go through customs leaving America. You just go through customs coming into the foreign country. Either way, they want you there two hours early, which is a huge pain in the ass. So we're talking about um 10.30 flight out of Newark. So you got to be there at 8.30. So I essentially had to wake up at 6, you know, spend the whole night just drinking, hanging out with my friends. 4.30 in the morning rolls around. I'm like, all right, time to get some sleep. There was no, well, I don't know. What, I mean, my friend's apartment is kind of a mess. There's, I feel like there's animal hair or whatever. It's just not a, uh, not a great place to rest your head. There was no couches available. So what I did was basically three bar stools. I aligned together and then just laid out on that and slept. Obviously not a great night's sleep. Wake up at 6 a.m. Now, waking up at 6 a.m. is tough for anything. But you, I'm like, hit with this adrenaline surge. Oh, my God, got to get to the airport. My brother's car is parked in a parking garage, like, four or five blocks away. And to get in there, you need uh, a parking pass. You know, basically one of those little magnetic cards to swipe. And, of course, my friend, whose apartment it is, he's passed out on his own floor. Just literally passed out on his own floor. Now, I've been drunk. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the night, if it's at my place, I can still do the 30-yard uh, walk into my own bed. And, oh, my God, sleeping on your own bed, especially when you're drunk or hungover, makes such a huge difference. I was kind of mad, too. Like, I, wait, I could have slept in a bed because you are just passed out here on the floor? Everyone was uh, getting pretty tipsy. So understandable, I guess. He's there laying on the floor, the cards in his pocket. He will not he will just refuses to wake up or acknowledge the fact that I have an international flight I have to catch in an hour and a half. I'm sitting there shaking him and he's just doing that uh, uh. Basically, people just sound like zombies whenever they're hung over or almost like a mummy just like brains leave my brains alone. Uh. And he was just not giving. And then he he was still hung over but still hung over he wasn't hung over enough not to still fuck with me a little bit. Like, I, I was trying to fish it out of his hand or out of his pocket because it was in his front pocket. He's laying face down. I'm still, like, trying to weasel my hand in there to grab the key card, pull it out. and He's still trying to run defense on me to uh, rip the key card out of my hand. Eventually able to pry the key card out of his hand. We go to the parking garage, me and my brother. Um course the parking garage it's like this old weird parking garage I, I can't really explain it better but it's it's a shady parking garage it doesn't seem like uh, my friend was saying like oh yeah my friend has parked here illegally for like two years and no one even complained or noticed so it seems like the uh, parking garage turns a blind eye to whatever kind of weird activity they're running there who knows it's it's you know we're talking right in the heart of Philadelphia who knows what kind of crazy crap is going on I'm I'm trying to uh, you know I'm trying to uh, pry out the, the or no sorry I did pry out the uh, parking pass uh, able to get into the parking garage finally for some reason it wasn't working you know it's it, it weird it's one of those things you just had to bang on it a few times eventually parking garage opened up get inside there get in the car start heading to Newark things seem to be going great until. My brother misses a turn, you know, and then it's like you're hung over, you're kind of annoyed, and uh, you listen to, like, sports talk radio, and it's all about the Phillies and how shitty their season is, so I'm, you know, I'm hungover. I'm hearing about how shitty the Phillies are, my brother just missed a turn, everything, everything's just kind of going wrong. Eventually, we kind of make a U-turn, get back going the right direction, running late, not, you know... Maybe going to cut it a little bit close. Get there. Get up to the counter. Get out. Hop out. Run to my gate. Or run, rather, to the uh, the gate to check in. Oh, no. My passport. Yep. My passport. I had left in my brother's car. Luckily. I mean, luckily. Luckily, there was enough juice in my phone so that I could call him. He uh, circled back, gave me the passport. I was able to get on the flight. Oh, well, actually... I'll take this back. So I, I was uh bringing my check baggage on and in my check baggage uh there's a couple like mics and mixers so I could do so I could record this podcast, do these live interviews from uh just for laughs. And uh the guy uh the guy pulled it out, his uh he was just the nerdy ish Nebbiish dude I've seen in a long time. He's just like, oh, I see you've got some pro audio gear. He kept repeating the word pro audio gear as he's swiping my microphone for explosives. Just like, oh... See, there's some, uh, you got some kind of mixer here and some compressor. And what kind of tubes in that compressor? I'm like, I have no idea, man. I bought it for $45. Well, you see, um, in the pro audio situation, yeah, okay. Oh, look at these mics. Um, Yeah, I see you don't bring the good mics with you. Yeah, see, that's the trouble with good microphones because when you have the good microphones, then they get banged up traveling, and then you spend more time with them in the shop. I'm like, yes, I I know that is a problem. And meanwhile, the guy the entire time is just swiping it, like with his little, with one of those little clean it rags, and then basically putting it over in his little uh, bomb tester, and then they run it through. Here's the thing about uh, airport security in general. Yeah, it, it seems pointless because if this guy actually thought there was a bomb in here, you wouldn't be, you would just be sitting there haphazardly rubbing a rag with it. You would be freaking out. So obviously, you know there's no bomb in there. It's we're both wa- we're wasting both of our time, and it's just this. Um, it's just this. Uh, it's just a wa- It's just a waste of time. I really want them to develop a, a line in the security for beginning traveler, expert traveler, and guys who just don't care. Guys who are willing to risk the odds. Listen, when I get behind the wheel of a car, or when I had a license and I could get behind the wheel of a car. You realize there's a chance you could die, all right? There's a, there's a much better chance you're going to die in a car accident than in a terrorist attack in a plane. So what do you do? Do you not drive? No, of course you drive. And that'd be like every time before you start up your car, you go through an intense, thorough safety check where – uh, you go over all the rules of the road. You do an, it basically. Would, it would be the, the equivalent of doing an on the road test every time before you went on a road trip. That'd be insane if you said to someone, "Hey, every time you want to drive more than an hour in the car, you have to go to this government building and do a ten dri- a minute driving test, or maybe fifteen, twenty minutes worth of driving test before they would let you drive." No. At some point, you have to decide there is a certain amount of value. We have to do the math, people. We have to do the math. Sometimes you have to say, you know what? There is a chance I could die driving in a car. But you know what? The odds are small enough I'm willing to risk it. And I think we should get back to that place when it comes to terrorism. We're not going to be able to stop these guys. Even after 9-11, all the guys we caught were either before they got on the plane in Yemen by some undercover uh, agents or taken out by, with some drone strike, or we caught them on the plane. It's an insane waste of time for everyone, and I, I do feel, it is funny, I feel like I'm arguing for more free time, but yeah, what the hell am I doing with my free time? Nothing nothing that great, but still, it's my life, man. And I want a little bit more free time back. Oh, and I also forgot to mention the Philly show. There was a My mom made some reaction. Well, first off, my mom, you know, I told some anecdotes about my dad, one of which she goes, we already heard that. Which, yes, Mom, sometimes that does happen in stand-up comedy where you end up repeating a a joke or story if it does exceptionally well. So there was that. And then also at one point I mentioned sex and my mom had some reaction. And I just said to her, Mom, you you know, I'm 29 years old. First off, it would be much much more weird if I was a virgin like you can't you can't live in that world of of wanting grandkids and a 29 year old virgin because a 29 year old virgin is not getting married he's not raising a family I mean may, yeah obviously there's are there are exceptions to the rule I love how people when you bring up when you do broad generalizations or stereotypes as some people like to call them I'll say like, well, that's not true about so and so. Oh, what well, that's not tr- I what about um 40-year-old virgin? That was a f- well, I mean obviously that was a fictional film, but people would bring up, "Oh, my cousin, he was a virgin till he was 35. Now he's married and he has three kids. He's doing fine." Yes, but it's about statistics, guys. It's about playing the numbers. Whether it's blackjack, sports gambling, whatever, you're playing the numbers. You got to get realistic. So anyway, make it to Toronto. And I get to Toronto. Essentially, I'm not using my phone because the data roaming is insane. So I'm just trying to use Wi-Fi. I I have a place to crash, but I can't really use my phone to call the guy. So I just uh, take a random bus downtown Toronto and just just start roaming around with my bags. There's been a lot of that in my uh, time spent in Canada of just me... Um, first off, it's been hot as fuck here in Canada. I thought, oh my god, oh, I don't need a pair of shorts in Canada, it's gonna be cold. No, it's been it's been hot, humid, and muggy my entire time spent up here in Canada and to be honest, I, I don't care for it. I thought I thought it would be cool at night. I, I didn't realize how fucking hot it gets in Canada. So Toronto during the day I just spent my time just wandering around the city, just dripping in sweat carting around my little roll-away baggage and lugging my laptop and backpack. and I've just basically been operating like a bum for the past uh, week or so. And just, yeah, just roaming around the streets of Toronto. Toronto was a was a really cool city. I, I mean, from the brief, I only, only ended up spending like an hour there. Or no, I'm sorry, like a day there in Toronto. Uh, we did a uh, set list, a stand-up show at Toronto. Set list, of course, is the... Style of stand-up show where they basically improvise. They just give you topics on the spot. You make up the stand-up comedy there. Actually, I actually have an interview with uh, Troy Conrad, the creator, later on the podcast. So stay, stay pod for that. I don't know. Do you say? Do you say stay tuned for a podcast? I don't know. I feel like it's it's odd. This podcast, I just felt like I compelled that I had to get it out. You know, some people at that moment were like, I just got to dance. I just got to pod, man. I just got to do a podcast, just feel compelled to explain my life, vent. Who needs therapy when you got podcasts, right? I mean, I could just be paying some dickhead $60 an hour to just be nodding his head as I talk about my life and go through my issues and share anecdotes and, and funny lines, but who needs that, right? And then, you know, you have the live pressure of, trying to make your therapist laugh, and then you're thinking, well, Sean, that's not really therapy. You're not just trying to make him laugh. Well, that's probably how I would... That's probably my take on it, okay? So don't tell me how to live my life. I don't have health insurance to cover a therapist. Not that I feel like I need therapy. I feel like you know, as much as I support the idea of therapy, it's not for me. And how do I know that? Well, I've never gone to therapy. But I feel like there's a lot of things you can say that. Right? It's never happened to me, And but I know it's not for me. Acupuncture? Uh, maybe acupuncture, but Overall, there's a lot of stuff I can just write off, uh, you know, having sex with a guy. Never done it, but I just know it's not for me. Not that I'm judging. But uh, the idea being, I feel like there are some things you could judge that it's not for you, even though you've never done it. I'm pretty open-minded. But, yeah, just some things I'm not going for. Therapy, I'm not going, all right? So, listeners, stop telling me to go to therapy. I don't know, maybe having an imaginary argument with Someone listening on the other end of a podcast about whether or not you should go to therapy. Some may argue that that was a sign you should go to therapy, but I disagree. And I like always being right. And I feel like I'm able to pull that off in conversation where I feel like a therapist would tell me that I'm not always right, and um, I don't like that. I also don't like that, I've probably said this a few times, but I hate that, that insult that people try to tell you. They go, oh, Sean, you always think you're right. Yeah, no shit. If I didn't think I was right, I would stop thinking that. Who goes around thinking they're always wrong? Like, oh, well, I know nothing. I'm always wrong. Once I realize I'm wrong, I admit to it. But when I have a thought or an idea, I like to think it's right. That's why I think it. Who comes up with things and just goes, oh, that's, I'm always wrong. I'm never right about stuff. My gut instincts are always completely wrong. Now, that's insane. So anyway, I did the show in Toronto, a lot of fun. Shout out to the comedy bar. It's a uh it's like an underground bar and uh comedy venue, really nice. The staff was great. The crowd was great. It was a lot of fun. It was it was a really awesome show. Hanging out afterwards, got some They actually had really good food for a comedy club. Now, I'm not trying to like kiss their ass or anything, but they actually had amazing food for a, a comedy club's traditionally not great food venues, but they had this—they um, had this amazing. Uh, I got macaroni cheese and jerk chicken, and it was—it uh, was—it was probably some of the best food I've had out. Well, I don't know if the best, but it, it was definitely up there some of the some of the best stuff I had in my trip to Canada. So I just had to take a pull real quick off my Labatt Blue. I'm really embracing this uh, Canadian lifestyle. That was another shock here. I feel like the beer is pretty expensive. I mean, not like super expensive, just maybe on par with the states, a little bit more. I thought it'd be dirt cheap because there's that stereotype. To me it's like going to can or I mean going to Mexico and having to pay a lot for a tortilla. I feel like the stereotype is this is all you guys do. They should be very cheap. I I mean, I realize that's a horrible stereotype. But here's the thing about Canadian people. They enjoy stereotypes. They embrace the stereotypes. The stereotypes about Canadians are they like hockey, they like drinking beer, and they're very, very nice. And and I guess maybe they're soft, but they don't even care about that because they're really nice. All those stereotypes about the Canadians are true. As far as what I've experienced so far, and I know I'm making a broad generalization, Sean, I knew this one Canadian guy, Mike Myers, who's a complete asshole. Yes, there are exceptions, all right? Some Canadians do bad things, and I'm thinking in particular the love guru. But there's a lot of good Canadians out there. I've met a lot of, uh, lot of funny Canadian comedians. The Canadian comedians are very, like, uh, accepting and, like, wow, you're from Los Angeles and asking questions. And it is, it is a trip, like um, – after we did the show in Toronto, we went and did this uh, show in uh, Ottawa. Uh, James Adomian was a headliner, and uh, did a couple minutes there because I was basically just catching a ride, and they let me do some shows or let me do a little time there. He was a very funny uh, comedian. I'm sure if you're listening to podcasts, you've you've heard him on a podcast before. But it is funny. It is, and it's an interesting uh, experience where like the world of podcasts have really changed things because I was talking to these. Local Ottawa comedians. The Ottawa show was uh, pretty fun. Not like a huge venue or turn. It was like middle of the week, little little like a uh, barry show. You know, just like a show at a little bar. But it was uh, the crowd was really. It was small but mighty. They were really into it. It was. It, they were very, very supportive. Very listening. The crowds are also very polite. Like they're afraid to laugh at things that might be considered a little taboo. So that's kind of been interesting dealing with that. Because apparently I'm an out of control maniac who hates women, and I don't know. People are just so fucking sensitive, and I don't mean that as an insult to the Canadian people. They're very polite. They want to laugh at the right stuff, but come on, guys, it's a it's it's a it's a stand up comedy show. I, you know, I I just hate the idea. Is this is the last bastion of free speech and podcasts and stand up comedy? This is where you can say stuff that's a little. Do I fully believe it? No, no, come on! You know it's a little tongue in cheek. You're you're stretching the boundaries. Ah, we to talk all day about that. Where was I? Where was I? Well, I was talking about the the people of Canada being super polite, and you think that's oh, that's just some crazy stereotype, but no, it's actually true. So much so that um, yeah, like I I've had this thing where like I think every chick that I've talked to in here in Canada is trying to sleep with me. And I've realized it's probably just them being really friendly because it's like, oh, lady getting a, a, you know, buying a beer or getting a coffee. And they just, like, smile at you for no reason. People say thank you a lot. They say sorry. Sorry. You know, in America we just say fuck off. They say sorry all the time. They're always apologizing. Eh? I, oh, my God. I saw a um, a black chick say hey. And it was uh, – <laughs> I'm I'm still laughing at it. I don't know why, because it's just such a. You just picture the white Canadian stereotype of just this, uh, you know, Canadian guy on a hockey jersey saying eh and to see this petite, cute black chick say it, it's it's uh it's hilarious. Oh wait, real quick, getting back to the point of the podcast, it's crazy because these Ottawa comedians. We're very, you know, like asking a lot of questions and it was funny how much they knew about the world of Los Angeles comedy in particular. Like this guy was asking me, he's like, did you ever, Hey, what about the liquid zoo? Now, Liquid Zoo is just this awful, awful bar in Van Nuys that does comedy, I think, like Wednesday nights. It's a, it's a scary neighborhood. There's, a, there's only been a few times I've been scared in Los Angeles as far as the neighborhood. Liquid Zoo and where the show is at is one of them. And it's just so hilarious to me that this guy had heard about this comedy venue just from listening to these podcasts and listening to L.A. Comics talk about their their experiences um, you know, doing comedy around in L.A. So it was a real trip for me to be in another country in this smaller, you know, like it's not a big city. Or, I mean, in comparison to American cities or whatever. You're just in the middle of nowhere, basically. You're in Ottawa. And this guy is coming up talking about a bar that's used to be like two miles down from your house. It's it's kind of a surreal experience and really put into perspective the, the power of the Internet. So we go on this road trip and... um yeah, it was it was a good times. You know, I was crashing on the couch again. Once again, just been hot a lot. Like I, I've just been sweating a lot in uh, Canada, which I was just not not expected. And I didn't bring a lot of uh, clean clothes. I'm like right on the edge of. You know, I'm taping this on a Thursday. I'm flying back to the states on Sunday. I'm I'm really on the fence about whether or not I should do laundry. I feel like doing laundry on vacation is just such a fail. But I, I don't really have a I don't even know what I got to do an inventory and see what actually clean clothes I have if any. So I'm kind of nervous about that. But um yeah, I don't know. The part of me just doesn't want to cave and 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 do laundry on vacation. But it's just like I've just been sweating so much. Oh, and you know, driving in the road trip, it's with a couple basically people I've never spent a lot of time with. And it was funny, the girl driving does this move of um Hey, whatever uh, whatever music you want to put on, just put it on. I'm like, okay, and you know we're listening to some music. I go to change it. Oh wait, you don't like Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> it's like, all right. If you want to listen to Fleetwood Mac, it's your car, it's your radio. That's fine. I didn't I didn't complain about it. You just said, hey, put on whatever you want, and then I try to put on whatever you want, and I get interrupted by it. It's it's just people are hilarious like that. You know they. All right, so anyway, made it out here to beautiful Montreal. Montreal, obviously French-Canadian. A lot of French-Canadians tried to learn some uh, French. Never really goes well because then, you know, I'll say, Hey, bonjour, je m'appelle Sean, trying to get into it a little bit. I know a couple phrases. And then eventually they're just like, Hey, what do you want? And I feel like I wasted, but uh, they, they still appreciate the attempt. But, yeah, Montreal, I was just impressed by the uh, the pure spectacle of uh, everything going on because there's just, you know, I've been to comedy festivals before, but this is insane. Like, there's the whole streets closed down. There's uh, food trucks everywhere. There's just so many people. There's literally, like, 25 comedy shows a night all over the city. It's been crazy. I'm almost just, like, comedied out because you just see – you know, you got uh, Pat Oswald, Aziz Ansari, uh, Todd Berry, Todd Glass, and um, Paul F. Tompkins. You just got all these different guys hanging out. There's shows every night. It's been great. I did a set on the Setlist show here. It was it was a lot of fun. It's been uh yeah, it's just been good times. There's uh I mean the women here too, in Montreal in particular, are just they just have a. Um, <laughs> My buddy Ron had a line saying they're just effortlessly beautiful, which sounds <laughs> sounds kind of uh, kind of fruity, but it it was still a great line by Ron. And uh yeah, my uh my good buddy Ron Babcock was actually named one of the new faces, which is basically it's kind of like the prestigious your first chance at getting to to play the show as like an official invited guest. He uh he was uh he got selected and a couple other uh, LA comics got the nod as well. So when I heard that he was coming, and uh, I was like, "Hey Ron, is it cool if I uh, crash at your place?" Because I was gonna, I was gonna crash at this other guy's place that I've been coming along with. His wife was also coming, so I didn't want to be a burden. So I was just like, "Oh, I can be a burden to Ron. I don't mind doing that." And uh, Ron was like, "Yeah, you can you can crash." I'm like, oh, "I'll just sleep on your floor." And his place is actually it's kind of like more of an apartment, and it's a hardwood floor, and. uh so the the first night we were out uh, drinking, hanging out, and then we get back and, you know, I'm just trying to, like, put together a sad bed on the hardwood floor. And he's like, all right, pal, you can sleep in the bed with me. So Ron has been uh, nice enough to let me uh, share his bed with him. And, uh, yeah, Ron had a, a great set at the New Faces Showcase. Really, really killed it. And I, you know, I wouldn't go out of my way to say it if I didn't think it was true. It was, uh, it was a very funny uh funny set and uh yeah man. Big big things for my main man Ron Babcock. But also, uh, you know, sleeping with another guy, obviously. You know, there's certain certain barriers you don't want to cross. You want to keep things uh, you know, purely in the bromance section. Not get uh you know what I mean. If you ever shared an- another uh bed with another guy, you might have some awkward moments. But uh I guess during the middle of the night <laughs> out of nowhere I just hear, Hey man, relax. And <laughs> I'm totally startled and apparently I I'd, I'd rolled over and kind of <laughs> put my arm around Ron or or did something to kind of a, encroach on his space and kind of wake him up. So I I I was basically taken aback and just quickly apologized. I was like, "Oh, sorry man, sorry. Don't know what's going on." But uh no, Ron's been great and it's it's just been fun, man. The the women here are just uh I know I mentioned it once again, but they're just they got this uh European hot thing going on where it's It's not kind of like – it's a little different than the L.A. Hot in particular. It's not as, like, trashy. It's like a sense of style, and I I never thought I would care for that kind of stuff. But it really – the the girls here are uniquely pretty, and it's in in more like a subtle way. It's less, like, kind of flashy, in-your-face less makeup maybe I, I i don't know i'm not i'm not an expert at this but there's just been a, a ton of uh, beautiful women and i think just in a foreign country especially when they're speaking a different language you just feel like ah ah yeah women you, you're just like the idea of it is um yeah they're just uh yeah there is something now in these interviews uh, a lot of the guys end up talking about about uh some of the girls oh and uh yeah speaking of the uh beer prices uh, uh, the uh, the Hyatt Hotel, where kind of like is the headquarters for the shows, or a headquarters for the festival rather, and uh, where I was doing a lot of my interviews. The the bar there is like insanely expensive, and uh, I was sitting there the first night, and I had a beer, and then <laughs> I hear the guy behind me he's like a sixty five year old dude from America. He's like, "Did you just say nine dollars for a Budweiser? I can get a whole case of these in California." Which is a weird threat, and obviously not true. You can't get a case of, of beer for uh, nine dollars in California, not Budweiser. I mean, maybe you can get a case of Milwaukee's best in uh, Milwaukee or somewhere somewhere in the middle of the country. But that guy was just old people hate getting uh, charged a lot, and they, uh, yeah, that guy was not having it at all. But yes, yeah, so I've been enjoying my time in Montreal. I don't know if i'm I don't even think I'm pronouncing it right and then when I do start trying to speak in French, I end up incorporating a lot of Spanish, so it just becomes this like French Spanish hybrid of like um uh, um yo uh un like no idea what I'm talking about I think they just they're impressed they feel like they've humbled us Americans. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of proud of myself. I've been out drinking with uh, French-speaking people and have yet to mention World War II. So you can appreciate that, French-speaking. <laughs> and uh, I haven't gotten a lot of toot lately. I mean, they definitely do seem a little put off if you if you don't speak French. Everyone said, like, oh, it's not a problem at all. There definitely is a lot of uh, French-speaking people. So, And uh, the French language is very popular here, so. It's been a it's been a great trip, a lot of fun, really enjoying myself. And uh, part of that was I got to sit down with a lot of, a lot of the best and brightest comedians at the festival. So, here you go, guys. I'm just gonna cut them up together, put them here for you. Of course, you can hear them on a 24/7 comedy radio, all their different affiliates, or listen to them online. I'm here with Darren Rose, Toronto's own. He's a Canadian. He's a Canadian. He's a Canadian native, Canadian native, I guess you <laughs> I could say. I am a Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, what's the, what's the biggest difference between playing a crowd in Toronto and playing a crowd in Montreal? Uh,
0: the difference is people in Montreal enjoy their lives, <laughs> okay. so they're just so much happier to be there. People in Toronto are just like, "When's this going to be over? I got to fax a resume." <laughs>
1: Now, do you feel like uh, being a native uh, Canadian, does that give you an advantage at all, uh, you think, in performing versus Americans or guys coming from other countries?
0: Uh, well, you make it sound like we're in a kumite, and uh, <laughs> if that turns out to be the case, I feel I'm woefully underprepared. Uh, no, I think, uh, yeah, maybe there's a little advantage in in that I know what the references are and sure. stuff like that, but, uh, uh, but no, I think kind of funny is funny. Right. It all works that, out. That oh, God, sense. am I going to die tonight? I hope not.
1: Okay, now, besides doing the comedy, what are you looking forward to as far as the city of Montreal? Do you have any uh, big plans?
0: Oh, Montreal's the greatest. Uh, uh, I eat a lot of poutine at 3 a.m. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Americans know what poutine is, french fries with cheese and gravy on it. It's the greatest, uh, especially if you've had 35 beers right before <laughs> it. Uh, so that's sort of that's my evening in two parts right there, 35 beers and then poutine, and then, uh, and then regret in the morning. So that's my that's my festival that, that plan. Is,
1: that, that seems to be a running theme here. Beers, <laughs> I'm shocked. Beers, poutine, regret, and comedy, and then just <laughs> uh, keep repeating that. Yeah. Now, which uh, which shows are you doing, and uh, which shows have you already done?
0: Uh, I am doing uh, the John Panette Gala at Place des Arts, okay. uh, which uh, uh, I discovered is really funny if you don't know it's French, because then it's Place Days Arts. <laughs> Very simple. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing that, which is a TV taping for Canadian television, and then I'm playing uh, a bunch of clubs, Comedy Works, Comedy Nest, uh, Ass Seen on TV, Best of the Fest, all those kinds of shows.
1: All right. Well, uh, appreciate your time, Darren, and uh, best of luck at the festival. All right.
0: Thanks for having me for the shortest interview possible. <laughs> no
1: problem. <laughs> I'm here with Dominic Harris, based out of the uh, Dallas area. Dominic, have you experienced any sort of culture shock coming here to Montreal?
2: Oh, culture shock! Yeah, um, my, the biggest thing for me uh, is 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 the French girls. Like, I never, I didn't realize that that was going to be <laughs> as big of a deal as it is to me. But it's like, like every time they talk to me, I, I crumble a little bit. It
1: is the uh, like, it's the language of love. Yeah,
2: like even the guys a little bit. <laughs> like, like, oh man, um, like I don't know if like like. I don't even want like I would if I wanted to go to a strip club here. Like I would rather just go to a room of French girls talking to me. (laughs) Like you know, like oh man. That's almost just just as erotic.
1: Just girls going
2: bonjour, dominic. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, it's 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 an issue, man. I would have like seven kids by now, (laughs) just (laughs) for no reason. Yep.
1: Just spending all your uh, all your money uh, putting your kids through school and uh, getting them poutine. Now we both just watched. Uh, Pat Naswald he did a uh, he did a panel discussion basically he wrote the premise was he wrote two different letters one to comedians one to the industry what was your take on that
2: Yeah man I thought it was it was organized really well um oh it was really bold too I I, I loved it I love that he you know took chances and stuff like that it it wasn't you know I mean not that I'd expect him to uh you know I, I knew he he would come out strong but um yeah I mean his especially his letter to the industry uh it, it he definitely didn't hold back at all on that and uh but at the same time he wasn't aggressive and he wasn't mean about it, you know, but he was just real and I thought that was important. Um and I thought his obviously his letter to, to comedians and stuff definitely resonated with me as well. So
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean that's part of the cool thing besides getting to see live stand up, you also get to uh you know, see cool panel discussion from guys like Pat and yeah. Now as a uh, as a fan, who are you excited to see out here?
2: Man uh, just I just I want to see the live WTF uh, you know in Marin. And that's another thing watching uh, Oswald uh, like watching other people watch Oswald like Marin and, and guys like that. that was a really cool thing uh, that was, for me uh, too.
1: Yeah, no that was awesome. Well, appreciate it, Dominic. Uh, thanks for uh, coming over here. Make sure you check out Dominic Harris and uh, best of luck
3: here in the festival.
1: Right, thanks so much, man. I'm here with Glenn Wool Glenn, what's on the agenda for you at the festival?
3: Uh, I get to meet Mick Foley, that's pretty exciting, <laughs> but show-wise, I've got uh, my solo show at the Cafe Cle- Cleopatra every night at 7.30 till Saturday, and a funny as hell taping.
1: Sounds uh, sounds pretty sweet. Now, for those people out there not familiar with Mick Foley, explain who Mick Foley is and why are you so excited to meet him?
3: Uh, he's a wrestler. Uh and uh, I got a dirty little secret. I, I I watch a bit of wrestling, but he's doing a show with my good friend, Brendan Burns. And uh, he w- me and Brendan went out to a sports bar last night yeah. to watch the 100th or the 1000th episode of Raw. Because Brendan was under the impression <laughs> that Mick Foley might mention him on the show. <laughs> and like... I didn't want to go, but Brendan like came to my venue right after my show. He's like, "Oh, mate, we gotta go. We gotta see this bloody wrestling." <laughs> so, we go. And we find the one bar that's playing it, and it's it's full. It's got like about seven wrestling fans that come to the bar. <laughs> so we're watching it, and there was like a wedding that took place on the wrestling last night. Well, all oh, of the, on the on the show? Like not like a man and a woman. It, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. that. that like, yeah, I think that would probably cause a riot in America <laughs> if a gay wedding took place <laughs> so on the.
1: Wrestling. WWE. Yeah, but, the the traditional uh, WWE fan, not not supportive of gay marriage. I'm the, guessing.
3: So uh, we're watching it, and they, like, they're like they getting the crowd to cheer or boo if uh, if they think that the, they, they should get married. And yeah. they're all like, boo, don't do it. And I said to Brendan, I go, is the next wrestler going to move out of his parents' basement just to make it just as alien as this concept is to all these fans? And all of the wrestling fans in the bar just totally looked at me like,
1: Pick the, the wrong crowd to crack that joke. Yeah. All right, Glenn. Real quick, I know you've uh, done comedy all over the world, in particular a few times in Montreal. What stands out um, as uh, what? What's unique about Montreal as a comedy city?
3: Uh, well, I mean, you got one of the biggest festivals in the world, so that's always a good. Uh, it's always a good start. It's. I mean, for me, I love coming back because I'm actually Canadian, so uh, you know it get to uh it to have like crispy crunches and yeah. things that, uh, feels it so, feels like yeah, home that's my that's my answer your chocolate bars <laughs> are what uh, make keep me coming back
1: all right well thanks uh, appreciate it glenn and uh, make sure you check out glenn wool here in montreal or yeah. all over
3: the place and on the internet still a few seats available but you better you better buy them because they're going quick.
1: <laughs> All right. Make sure you check out Glenn Wool, very funny comedian.
3: I'm here with Levi McDougal.
1: Levi, what's been the biggest surprise to doing the Just for Laughs Festival? Oh, um,
4: I, this is my, my second time doing it. Uh, I, I, the last time I did it was about five years ago. So I guess the, what was I expecting that has changed? It's in English. That's um, I that's think a shock. Uh, that's a shock. Yeah, it last five years ago. It was all French, so all the American comics had to translate all their stuff to French. So I did that this year, <laughs> and then learned that uh, that was totally unnecessary. But it, it was a good exercise. It was, um, it was a good uh, a, a kind of cultural uh, exposure therapy to have. But um, now I can go back to the my mother tongue. There you go. Now, do
1: you, do you speak French?
4: Yeah, I no. I um, I lived in the Northwest Territories for a while growing up that's uh, here in Canada you're you're American yes I am American it's one of our territories and uh, up there I don't know if it's the same in the provinces but you have to you're obligated to learn French up until I think grade 6 so um, I've forgotten everything I learned exactly Um, other than the name of the teacher Mr. Lefrenier. Uh, oh, right. not, well, not a good guy. Not a very nice guy.
1: <laughs> Maybe it turned you off to the language. Maybe yeah. that's part of the problem.
4: I'm, uh, yeah, I'll try to get over it. I guess they're not all Mr. Lafrenier's. Montreal's really opened my mind to that. You guys are all right.
1: All right. Yeah. Now, what are, you, um, what are you excited to see and do here? Uh, what do you, you got planned besides the shows? Yeah. What, what else have you got planned? Most of my
4: shows are kind of early in the week, which is nice. Um, so I think it's just going to be a lot of wandering. And catching up with uh, it's good. It turns into a little community. There's people you haven't seen in years, and then suddenly you're seeing them ten times a day.
1: Yeah, and you're it's like, weird.
4: okay, I, I don't need to see this person for another year. And then hopefully you'll be back to do that. But uh, yeah, I think just wandering, catching like little snippets of the shows, and uh, and dropping in like the I know the alternative shows coming up, and then um, a lot of it's funny because being in LA, you see a lot of these. People kind of working on their acts, so it's nice just to come to one place and uh,
1: see it all polished. See all these friends in, the in these
4: giant rooms when you're used to these little divey now, bars.
1: real quick, if you had one wish, if you had one thing to happen in Montreal for the just for last comedy festival, what would it be?
4: I, I, the, I guess, the crowning of as to win the King of Comedy <laughs> award, which is why everyone comes here. <laughs> exactly. It's the reason all of us have been working so hard. Right. Only one person can be picked.
1: Yep, they were the kings of comedy, then they decided, nope, it's just better if there's one king of comedy. Right,
4: yeah, they're like, that was a gimmick for them, now we're going to actually crown a real king of comedy <laughs> who will really actually be in charge of comedy for one year. All of their decisions go, they decide what timing is, what a punchline is, what a setup is, so if I could be that guy, I think it's a responsibility I could grow All right, into. Alright, well
1: Levi, appreciate it, best of luck becoming the next king of comedy, oh, and uh, no, enjoy no. your time here at the festival. Thanks so much, man. I'm here joined by mr mike lawrence mike i know uh you're taking part in a lot of shows in the festival one of which is the nasty show
5: oh yeah it uh, should
1: the, be the theme no. <laughs> explain where the term nasty show came about and what what separates that from a regular show um nasty show
5: is basically a show where um you do all the jokes that have uh, offended and pissed off people, and walked audiences, and you put them all together, and and hope that uh, you're you're mean and and nasty enough. Uh, and it's it's a blast. It's it's a really fun show because you can't go too far, you know. Um, anything goes.
1: Anything goes. Now you seem like a really nice guy. Have you ever had? Have you ever had kind of a, a nasty experience in Montreal or doing comedy in general? Yeah,
5: every time I speak English, uh, <laughs> I think it's a nasty experience. The disappointment in in the eyes of a, of, of a person who goes bonjour, and I'm like, I want a hamburger.
1: Now I know you're originally a New York guy. What's the biggest culture shock coming out to hear uh, Montreal to do comedy?
5: Um I think I think uh that's that's probably it because um basically uh in New York we're all used to the fact that no one speaks the same language but we're cool with it. It's okay. It's fine. We uh we don't we don't uh yell at you. We don't we don't scold you. I literally had someone um talk about uh me in French to my face, Uh, which I I know what statutory means, you know. It doesn't sound good. I don't know. Le tripe, You know, it's like, oh, wait a minute.
1: Yeah, there's a few words that actually translate into English. Well, Mike, appreciate your time, and uh, best of luck here at the Just for Last Festival. All right, thanks. I am here with Nathan McIntosh. Nathan, I know you're a uh, Canadian native, but... what do you, uh, besides the comedy festival, what's the uh, what's the fun thing to do here in Montreal?
6: Oh, man. The fun thing to do in Montreal, I think we all know the answer to this. Sean, um, you're staying up late, there's drinking, and yes. there's an unreasonable amount of strip clubs. <laughs> there's an unreasonable amount. Like, you know how there used to be a lot of blockbusters? <laughs> They have now, <laughs> they've now turned all of the old blockbusters <laughs> into strip clubs, plus the 200 they already had.
1: Well, that's yeah, I know that's one business that can just not go out of business, and that is the strip club business.
6: Absolutely not. If you burn, if Montreal burned to the ground, the strip clubs somehow would survive. <laughs> They're like roaches; they yeah. just can't get rid of them.
1: <laughs> okay, now I know you're you're here hanging out. Who, as a, as a comedy fan? Who are you excited to see perform, or what shows are you looking forward to checking out?
6: Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Tommy Tiernan's full uh, hour show. I, I saw him do a, a quick set of Comedy Works the other night, and man, I love that guy. Have you ever seen Tommy? No, I haven't. He's, but, uh, uh, he's an Irish comedian. He's great, man. He's oh, great, yeah. I man. mean,
1: uh, as a comedy fan, that's, that's a cool aspect here. There's a lot. There's a big international flavor.
6: Oh, the Muppets, too.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, they're here just too. Just
6: because, man, like when I was growing up, you know, the first Muppet movie was great. I love that movie. You know where the where the guy was trying to get Kermit's frog legs? Yep. So I was like, yeah, I just got to go see the Muppet. My, actually, my mom was more excited that the Muppets were here than her son was coming to the festival.
1: <laughs> Can you get Kermit's autograph? Yeah, she was
6: like, you, Fozzie's going to be there? I'm like, Mom, I'm going.
1: <laughs> the Fozzie <She> Bear. Just- <laughs> All right, Nathan, real quick to wrap things up here. As a Canadian, you're a native Canadian, now you're living in New York. What do you think is the biggest misconception Americans have about comedians? Or, sorry, Canadians Canadians. or Canadian comedians? I think
6: the biggest misconception Americans have about Canadians is that you guys think that we made our money ourselves. (laughs) When I try to spend Canadian money in America, it is an impossibility. People just look at me like... Dude, you, you think you're going to bring this blue loose leaf into my store? And I think, yeah, I think that we our money's real, man. <laughs> it's real money. It's it's The government has a hand in it, you know? It's it's a real thing.
1: All right. Well, and you're a real comedian. Appreciate it, Nathan McIntosh. <laughs> Make sure you check him out. You can listen to him, I'm sure, on uh, 24-7 Comedy Radio. Appreciate your time, Nathan. Thank you very much, Sean. I'm here with Neil Brennan. Neil, how much French have you spoken? spoken during the uh, festival so far
7: i haven't spoken a word of french now have you have you tried to speak at
1: all or have no you in fact
7: shot? uh we did a, i did a, a gala last night with paul f Tompkins, and at the end of his set he said merci and i was like oh i didn't know we were speaking <laughs> french i would have pandered myself
1: now um you uh first got into comedy obviously writing co created the Chappelle show directing director of the goods What's the uh, biggest challenge as far as writing for someone else and now switching over writing for yourself doing stand-up?
7: I don't don't even really see it as that different. Like, I don't – I just – if I'm writing for – I guess uh, as a writer you kind of have to assume other people's voices somewhat. But the people that I've written for successfully, like Dave and Seth Meyers, like I'm friends with them, so we're similar to begin with. We're kinda of like minded and, and cut from relatively similar cloth, so I don't find it, you know obviously Seth can't do sort of racial stuff probably as easily as I can do it, but yeah. but Chappelle can. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So uh so there's a you know I I, I don't find it people are always kinda of curious about it, but I don't find it that that uh different it's just funny you know what yeah. i mean it's just like just be funny right yeah you it's, know? it's the key to comedy being yeah. funny all right now <laughs> one <of> them. yeah
1: <laughs> bringing it down for you uh now what is the uh, biggest challenge as far as bringing your act to another country have you noticed any sort of difference in the audiences
7: no well no last night i had uh, the monday when I, I got here monday night and i was um i was one and one i won one and i lost one okay and then last night i was 2 and 0. Oh. So right. so nice, 3 and 1. Yeah. So now i'm 3 and 1. Um but i didn't what's funny is you'll you don't remember to think about the fact that they're foreign cuz right. it doesn't feel like i'm in like an extension of, it feels like america. Right. Um uh so but you'll be in the middle of a joke and be like, "Wait, do they have Google?"
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I did that I did, I did a joke about us uh, Quiznos and I was like, "Oh wait, should I've said Subway? I've seen Subways." Yeah. Just weird little references like that. Yeah, but
7: then you don't remember it until you're like, "Wait, I'm about to say Google." Like right. I did it I the I go like go on google.com is the punchline. And I didn't know whether I should go like, go on google.ca.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have quite the same punch.
7: Yeah, it doesn't have yeah, exactly.
1: All right, now I know, I know you're doing a lot of stand standup, uh, any stand-up projects coming up that we can look forward to?
7: Anything uh, I gotta do an hour for Comedy Central. I okay. did a half hour that aired three months ago, and um, I'm doing a so I got to do an hour, so I'm cobbling that together. The thing that I did that I like, um, it sounds like a crazy idea, but I'm friends with this girl uh, who's a DJ named Samantha Ronson, oh, and yeah. uh, and she I always had the idea to take my act, anyone's act really, but uh, no one had done it, and put it over my favorite hip-hop beats. All right, so a stand-up so, comedy mixtape? Yeah, kinda? stand-up comedy mixtape. So we made one of those uh, that's basically done... And I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, probably release it like the next two weeks, and and then I made another one with my act and a bunch of Radiohead songs. Awesome, man! Yeah.
1: Well, uh, thanks, thanks for coming out. Appreciate your time.
7: My pleasure.
1: I'm here with one of the new faces at the Just for Last Festival, Mr. Ron Babcock. Now, Ron, I know, well, you've been on the podcast before as well, but I know this is your first time in
8: Montreal. Besides
1: uh, the performing, what are you most looking forward to in Montreal?
8: The poutine. The uh, mixture of French fries uh, covered in nothing but cheese curds and gravy. Uh, I, I plan on making a lot of terrible decisions this week <laughs> to, for my body, and it just mostly involves carbs. I it, saw. Yeah, I've, there's some. There's something. He also said there's something a mix between pastrami, like it's like a super pastrami kind of meat. So I'm going to put that in my mouth too.
1: <laughs> All right. Now, have you uh, have you experienced any sort of culture shock in Canada yet?
8: Nothing yet, because I just got here, but I actually am really, just walking over here, I almost snapped my neck from the girls biking by. I'm like, man, <laughs> French Canadians, they, they don't, they don't want to make them up here. All easy right. on the eyes, Sean. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> very
1: easy, very easy. Now, do you have any concerns? This is your first time doing comedy in Montreal and first time doing comedy in Canada. What are your concerns about your comedy
8: translating? Uh, I do a bit with juggling. It's, uh, it's kind of like the anti-juggling bit. I just yell a lot uh, for the fact that I know how to juggle. My biggest concern is that I'm going to drop it. I really do not want to drop it.
1: So a lot of pressure on not dropping your juggling sticks. My
8: comedy is a mixture between you know wit and physical prowess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ron.
1: Well, uh, thanks for coming on the air, and uh, best of luck at the uh, Just for Last Festival. All right, thanks, man. I'm here with Ryan Belleville. Ryan, what uh, shows in particular brought you out here to Montreal?
9: Uh, Well, Sean, uh, there's lots. I'm doing a a gala tomorrow night with Jason Jones from The Daily Show. Oh, wow, that's uh, exciting. Which is very exciting at Club Soda, as well as I'm doing uh, Tentacool tonight and and, uh, uh, the Best of the Fest at the Comedy Works. Really outstanding lineup, so it's just fun to be part of it.
1: That's cool. Now, Mm -hmm. you're in Montreal. Have you had the poutine? What's your take on the poutine?
9: Uh, I've had the poutine many times. I've been in Montre- I've been coming to Montreal for well over a decade, and uh, I still think I have poutine in my system from that first visit. <laughs> like it doesn't—it doesn't move out very quickly. It's not a fibrous food, so uh, but it's delicious. It's yes. delicious.
1: Yep, cheese, gravy, and
9: fries, and yeah, it definitely definitely sticks with you. It really is. Poutine is like that—that that sort of slutty girl that you know you shouldn't. But you just should, and then you wake up the next day and you're like, "What happened to my pants? Why do I have a knife wound? That's poutine,
1: and there is an empty tray of gravy." Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, you you sound like you're an expert on Montreal. Mm-hmm. Besides the comedy fest, what's the, what's the uh, what's the fun thing to do in Montreal? What are you planning on doing besides going out and checking out other acts?
9: Uh, well, you know what? Normally, for just for, I would love to go out more, uh, but during Just for Laughs, you're so busy, you almost never leave the a ten block radius. Yes. But I will try to get some bagels. Oh, okay. I will try to uh, eat a little smoked meat. Yes. These are these are the things. Um I used to love going to the the Tam Tams, watching the hippies drum. Oh, okay. Now what's Tam Tams? Is that it's right, right at the at the mountainside, there's kind of this air I couldn't even describe it properly. It's one of those things that's very Montreal in that uh, I wouldn't see it anywhere else. Uh exactly. Like what's Tam Tam's? It's just a group of people who show up at the park Uh, Every Sunday, I think, and like drum and people throw Frisbees and there's families. Sounds
1: sounds like uh, Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco. It really is, yeah. Okay, one last quick question. As a comedy fan, who are you excited to see?
9: Uh, I'm excited about Patton's show at the uh, Metropolis tonight. That's going to be monster and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. As well as uh, Paul F. Tompkins, huge fan, and uh, I've been working with him on the LA Complex on the CW. He's a super nice guy as well, and I always love seeing him do his stuff. All right, well, thanks a lot, man. Best of luck in the festival. Cheers, Sean. Thanks so much.
1: I'm here with the creator of Setlist, a uh, popular improvised stand up comedy show, Troy Conrad. Troy. I know you've taken the uh, show all around the world. Explain the difference between an American's approach to the improvised stand-up comedy and the international approach.
10: The international approach, people always have a weird accent when they do it. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I will say in the U.K., when people are uh, doing this improvised stand-up show where they're getting a set list of topics as they walk on stage that they've never seen and they act like that's their act, when they see the topics in the U.K., uh, there 's a lot of shows there 's a lot of shows that are game type of shows in stand up that are just live shows where people play games within the stand up format so they're they 're a little more used to it like they jump in right away without thinking
1: less apprehension
10: Let, uh, no there 's always apprehension across the board as just as a human being the instincts to go, "Oh hell no, why would I want to do that? Every comic says that at first. But when they get what it is, they they go, oh, this is great. And when they do jump on stage in the U.K., for instance, there's a show called Old Rope that happens at a, a bar called The Phoenix every – I think it's every Monday night. Comics are only allowed to do new material. And if they ever do stray into old material, they have to hold on to this rope, which is, by the way, a noose. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, I, didn't, I, I was terrified watching it as an American, but – uh, they didn't have a big lynching situation there. So yeah, they don't no. have the, it doesn't, not know. They're not as uptight over there. It doesn't mean what it means in America. Got
1: <laughs> the same symbolism. Now, I know you, uh, you guys are doing Set List, a TV show in the U.K. You've already taped uh, a lot of episodes for that. I know Robin Williams was one of the performers on that. Who uh, out there, as a performer, who's like a dream get for you to do Set List that you would really want to see them improvise stand-up comedy?
10: Uh, the people that have never done the show that I'd love to see do it, uh, there's a lot. I was actually just talking about this. Um, I know this sounds strange because he's not a stand-up, but he's somebody who, if if I could, uh, I, when I look at comics and, and people who I think could do the show, I look at their brains, Robert Downey Jr. would be amazing at this, I know. Oh, wow. Um, I think Bob Newhart would be amazing. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, God, there's a lot of people. T- tonight on our show, Tommy Tiernan is doing it. He's been one of my favorite comics for a long time. So yeah, I'd love to have Doug Stanhope can. do it, Louis C.K. As right. far as, like, people who are really into it, yeah. Thanks, man.
1: All right. Well, appreciate it, Troy. Best
10: of luck with the festival. Appreciate your time. Thank you. People can go to setlistshow.com if they like.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Green Room. We do it every week here on shantygreen.com.
8: to The Green Room. Log on to SeanTGreen.com to access archive episodes and follow the show on Twitter at green, green Room Show. Damn it! Bye, folks. He seen walk by
3: in them tight jeans looked at her-